Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster, Carrie Newhoff, and Barna President, David Kinneman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now, your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinneman. Well, welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. My name is Kerry Newhoff, and usually I'm here with David Kinneman, the president of Barna. Uh, David is taking some well-deserved time off this week. We are going to hear from him, though. He pre-recorded a segment for us and really excited uh, to talk to a couple of local church pastors from Rancho Cucamonga in a few moments. But what we're going to be talking about on this uh, episode is we're going to talk about digital Christmas. And if you can believe it, yeah. 2020 has been a year like no other. You've heard that a million times. You've lived it a trillion times. But we are heading into our first digital Christmas. And so we wanted to frame the conversation about what that's like, what happens when the return to church numbers are lower than anybody wanted, uh, what's what's happening now that the virus is surging, in most cases, far beyond what it did in the spring. What does that do to the future? All of those questions And that's why we started this podcast, Church Pulse Weekly. So if you're joining us live, we're so glad to welcome you. If you're listening on demand a little bit later in the week via podcast, just so thrilled to have you along. Uh, By the way, just so you know, you can find everything that you need to find, everything we talk about over at Barna.com. And in particular, there's a brand new study with all kinds of data. We are just barely going to scratch the surface that you can find at Barna.com forward slash digital church. That's Barna.com forward slash digital church. And before we hear from David, a really quick thank you to all of you who are tuning in. A podcast has been growing this fall. So if you're a new listener, we're really glad that you're here. And our goal is to help you lead through this disruption, a disruption that honestly, when David and I started this podcast, we thought was going to be over uh, by now. It is not over. In fact, it seems to be accelerating. So what we do is we try to take the pulse of church leaders every single week, and we bring you the latest findings. So uh, this episode, we are going to do a bit of a deep dive into digital Christmas. So anyway, David isn't with us. And and for those of you who are listening regularly or know David, uh, you may know that he has shared that his wife is not well at all. She has brain cancer. And uh, so if you would remember David and Jill in your prayers, if you're interested in more, you can go to prayforjill.com too. And um, man, oh man, uh, it's just... uh, Really, really a time where I know David could use our love and support. He has served the church so well, continues to do so, but he's taking a little bit of break uh, today. And so it's a thrill to be able to stand in for him. However, before he went away, he uh, recorded us this video with some of the latest findings, the latest data on digital Christmas. Thanks a lot, Kerry. Well, we've been doing so much research this year uh, about the changing nature of the church, uh, the real-time experiment that is pastoring. And uh, it's a year of disruption, and we're going to have a Christmas season full of disruption. And that's really the story that we've seen in the data. Uh, Just recently, we've asked pastors how they're thinking about, planning for, and feeling about Christmas. And so let me share a few of the findings with you. First of all, we saw a whole category of findings about the disruption related to planning. So usually by October, the vast majority of churches have planned. They've got their sense of where they're heading for the holiday season. Uh, Advent is sort of programmed out. Uh, they've picked their song. In many cases, they've picked their songs. They've picked their 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 worship sets. They have, you know, they've been practicing uh, their their drama and other kind of creative arts. 
but this year, so much has been put on hold that the planning is still happening in, in many churches, and they're still sort of thinking about uh, what they're going to do. Um, one example of that is that we asked a question, uh, is the sermon topic that you're going to do for the Advent season the same uh, as what you would typically teach or different than what you typically teach during an Advent season? So 13%, one in eight leaders said it's different. Uh, 26% said it's the same. Uh, 44% said we always do something different every Advent, so it's it's different this year like it's always different. Uh, and then 16% um, said they don't know yet. And so you can see some sense of the the planning that's still happening. Here we are at the end of October. Another really interesting finding is that uh, 76% of pastors said that they expect their Christmas time evangelism and outreach efforts to be disrupted this year. And so a huge amount of, of disruption, even as we're seven, eight months uh, into the coronavirus and the pandemic, uh, it, you know, we, you'll remember that we had the first digital Easter in human history. We'll have the first digital and hybrid Christmas in human history uh, coming up here. And uh, 76% of pastors are, are feeling that their, their outreach and evangelism efforts are going to be disrupted. How do we invite people in? Uh, to Christmas, that's usually one of the big the big times where we've got visitors, out of town guests, family, uh, people that don't usually go uh, to church who might who might come to church. And so, how do we think about outreach? Well, one of the other uh, findings from the study was um, what type of Christmas service are you planning for the year? And four uh, percent of churches said online only. Forty five percent said online live stream. So you can watch online plus in person, uh, but you can watch it live. Um, I think this is so fascinating. 23% said in-person plus on-demand services. And so think of that. This will be the first time where uh, you, you know you can actually uh, imagine a family getting, getting ready to not just attend uh, the Christmas Eve service, but they're, they're actually just sort of like they can push play to start the on-demand worship service when they're ready. And then 29% said they're not sure yet. So again, this, this idea of the disruption to planning, the disruption to outreach, the disruption, even how we think about the songs we're choosing, uh, the performances that will be, uh, be, be had, uh, the kind of the sermons we're making, how the, the content should show up. And, um, and I think, you know, if you think about the season of Advent, in some ways, Jesus coming is a reminder that uh, God disrupts human systems and planning and, and expectations, and we can be, we can be, um, in some ways, reassured by that. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the other interesting thing is that usually only twenty five percent of churches, only one in four churches, say they uh, offer a Christmas service online uh, as well as in person. So you know, prior to this year. Uh, the vast majority, three out of four churches, said that they would only offer in-person worship services. So some really interesting things, I think, coming out of the data. Um, I just want to encourage leaders not to be fatigued uh, in this in this season. Uh, Christmas is such an important time. I actually think we've seen a lot of in our data. Uh, we just released a, a, a major new uh, digital journal called um, uh, The Hybrid Church Experience, you can check that out at barnaaccess.com and, and you know get some really cool stuff. There's you can buy it as an individual download or you can you can buy it as part of a subscription. But one of the things that's really interesting in that is that there's sort of three kinds of people we need to be programming for: those that really pr- primarily prefer in person, those that primarily prefer digital church experiences, and those that say they're open to both. And so you might think about this Christmas season as a time when you can really start practicing. 
what is not going to go away. Uh, the, this is a period of great disruption for the church, the, the habits of churchgoers and non-churchgoers alike. And I think there's a real opportunity for us to really think about Christmas as an opportunity to, to program the worship experience for those that are going to be in person, those who are going to be uh, primarily or exclusively online, and those who are going to have a hybrid sort of spiritual experience at Christmas. Um, so again, lots of really interesting things that we're finding in the research. And uh, it's been our pleasure uh, to be uh, alongside church leaders during this year of disruption and now a Christmas of disruption. Uh, it feels it feels for me like such a perfect a perfect time for us to, to, to learn uh, some new footing, a transition season, end of the year, beginning of a new year to think about how we're going to be programming our worship uh, for people who are who are you know into these sort of three streams, digital only, physical only, and those that are uh, interested in a hybrid church experience. So anyway, those are some of the things we're finding from the research and just a massive encouragement to you as leaders, like keep your chins up, like like we're going to get through this together. And uh, thanks so much for letting Barna be uh, what we hope is a helpful guide as we go through these months of disruption together. Well, let me just echo what David said, we're going to get through this together. And I got to tell you, it is super challenging. It is really challenging. You know, I do a lot of writing over at my website and obviously Barna's publishing data more regularly than ever before. David and I have talked about it. Sometimes it feels like almost depressing, right? It's like, oh gosh, do we really have to share this news that people aren't feeling ready, that the mental health of pastors seems to be uh, not in a good place? And yet I really think reality is one of our best friends as leaders. Uh, I remember I had a moment as a leader in my late 30s uh, when I had a staff member walk in my office and he goes, I got news. And he goes, I said, just don't give me any bad news. I don't want to hear any more bad news. And he goes, you know what? There's no such thing as good news or bad news. There's just news. And I've never forgotten that. That was Rich Birch, by the way. Uh, thanks to Rich for that insight, because there is news. And I find that leaders who tend to cooperate with reality when they realize what's going on, that maybe this crisis is here to stay, that perhaps it's deeper than they thought. Those are the leaders who come out on the other side stronger. And the leaders who, you know, sometimes put their fingers in their ear, or like try to reinterpret the data so that it doesn't say what it actually says, that they're the ones that have a harder time. At least I've found that to be true with everything from my personal health to the way I treat people, uh, that when I cooperate with reality, even if I don't like it, it tends to go better than if I try to fight reality. So uh, with all that said, uh, we want to bring some constructive dialogue to what we're learning about digital Christmas and actually see the opportunity and seize the opportunity in the midst of it. And so to do that, I have a couple of leaders joining me today, and I want to invite them into the conversation. Aaron McRae has been the lead pastor of Hillside Church in Rancho Cucamonga for about the last eight and a half years. Welcome, Aaron. And Brian Wurzel is joining us as well. Brian is the executive pastor of Weekend Experiences and the creative director there. Welcome. We're so glad to have you both on, on Church Pulse Weekly this week. Hey, Gary. Awesome. Good to be with you. With you. Hey, so uh, you, I, I hope we're able to hear what David shared about uh, digital Christmas. Anything strike you as like surprising or encouraging or discouraging? Why don't we start with you, Aaron? I totally agree with you from the reality check and just understanding reality. And it's good to know that we're not alone. And I think everybody who's in ministry is just feeling the weight and the pressure and the struggle and just knowing that you're not in it alone. You're not unique. That, that's helpful. But it's a, it's a real challenge to try to be able to discern a couple of months ahead. Where are we going to be in this current condition and, and still to make plans? And so just to be adaptable and flexible and improvise all along the way. But, you know, I think for me, uh, back to what you said, 
just the reality check of hearing we're in this together. We're in this mm. together. I'm not the only one struggling. That's an encouragement personally, just because I can feel isolated. I can feel all alone sometimes. Yeah. And we all have those moments in our church as leaders, you know, where it really is just you. Everything's going well for other people and you've got this unique problem that you have to solve. But this does make it unique. Like, no, these are conditions kind of beyond our control that we're all trying to navigate together. Brian, I'd love your take on that. Any thoughts you have from listening to David present the data? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say thanks to you and David for all that you guys are doing. I know both Aaron and I are huge fans of uh, of this podcast and this resource. And we've been so blessed by the encouragement that you guys are bringing through your guests and um, hoping we can bring some encouragement today. I think- Well, I'm glad it feels like encouragement. That's good. Because you know? that's what David yeah. and I are trying to do. We're trying to encourage we, leaders. So uh, thank you. I appreciate it. We pass your podcast around on the team a lot. And so we're super grateful to be a part of this today. I think the stat on 29%, not sure yet about what they're going to do for Christmas. Um, I, I just think the confusion is real in this season. Hmm. I, I think this idea that we're, we're supposed to know how to do whatever it is that we're going to do, uh, it's a daunting task to lead right now. And, and I just want to encourage church leaders that if you're in that one in three group, that 29% group, uh, and you don't have a plan yet today, and it's October, uh, to you know, you're, you're trying to look towards the future, don't, don't be discouraged. You're not alone, and there's still time to get a strategy together and to believe that God is going to use uh, you and this season and whatever it is that you're about to put together uh, to reach people in a profound way uh, in this moment in time. So one of the things I was really looking forward to talking to both of you about is you have a, you know, a larger growing church. How many people would you see pre-COVID, like back when we used to know how to count church? What, what would you see? We were, we were about 3,000 on a weekend. Yeah. So 3,000 people on a weekend, which is a really good-sized church, but you were not streaming live, right? You didn't have a live component prior to COVID. So can you take us back to March and what that moment was like for you guys and for your church? Yeah, uh, I'll take a stab and then let Brian correct me everywhere <laughs> he is off. But March 12th, we gathered in what we called a war room. And we had sticky notes all around with options and possibilities of what we could do. We adopted this unofficial Marine Corps motto day one, improvise, adapt, overcome. And we just said, this is what we're going to do. And I think we had like a three week, a six week and a 12 week plan. And we thought, definitely, it'll be over by 12 weeks. We'll be through this. We'll be back to normal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Totally. Everything changed, but not the improvise, adapt, overcome. And here we are in October, still trying to figure out how do you improvise, adapt, and overcome. Uh, but our team just really took that motto to heart and, and did it so well. And within three days, we launched online church. I mean, it was something we were planning on doing. Uh, we had a little bit of the infrastructure. Uh, we have we have antiquated equipment. Brian can talk about that. But our team, it was all hands on deck. And so wow. we were just so thankful for a staff that said, we're going to do whatever it takes to make this happen. And for a congregation that was incredibly flexible and they embraced overcome, adapt, improvise along the way too. So we were really uh, blessed and fortunate to have a strong team through that. Brian, what would you add? Yeah, for sure. The... Uh... I think that rainy day, March 12th, that Thursday before that weekend uh, launch, I, it was a scary day for me in my role in church world, just because I was seeing the writing on the wall that online was our future and we weren't online yet. And so probably like many leaders who are listening that found themselves thrown into the thrust of how do we do this? 
how, how do we take what we do and let it translate into an online situation uh, with standard definition equipment, a broadcast mix that's not quite there yet. So all of those, all of those pieces trying to figure out how do we, how do we move forward together um, in taking what we uniquely do on the weekend out into the world. And so we, uh, that first, those early days, you know, we were broadcasting, streaming from the campus and then we went hard lockdown. So then we were pre-producing everything, which was a whole nother, I feel like slight nightmare uh, because you're passing files around through the, uh, through the internet postal service. And then, you know, trying to produce a weekend gathering with some live hosting and some bookend stuff. And then Aaron had a great idea in the midst of it. He said, you know, I, I realize we're in SD on our campus uh, and we're not high definition yet. We're not even close to 4K, but sometimes you got to go to war with what you got. Hmm. So just being grateful for the equipment that we do have. Um, and while we wish we were in high definition at this moment and that it's part of our future plan uh, to get there soon, uh, you know, at this moment, we're still in standard definition, but God has used our weekend experience. We were praying towards five geographical locations. And I think the mind blowing thought that is still blowing my mind today is we we're praying towards five geographical locations in our local area here in Southern California. And within, within five months of the pandemic, we had reached 25 countries, 43 states, and over a million views of our content online. And so wow, yeah, that um, we weren't online, I think for me, even in standard definition and to Aaron's point, oh, what a moment to leverage what God is doing uniquely through us. And we're not the best or the greatest or whatever, but God gave us something unique to give to the world, mostly the gospel. And I think we're getting to see God use that to reach people that nobody else is reaching. Well, I want to underscore the mindset. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for being honest about the fact that, you know, seven months, eight months into this, you're still not in HD or where you want to be. But I want every small church leader to hear that who feels under-resourced. Because I think that there is like this, this game we all play in our heads that says, well, if I was a big church, I'd have it all figured out. And, you know, if I had 3,000 people, we wouldn't have any problems because we would have the money and the people and the team and we'd be ready for a moment like this. And it's just refreshing to know. And of course, we all know that. I mean, we've had Andy Stanley on saying he had to figure out how to preach again, right? Without people in the room. Like Andy Stanley's like trying to figure out how to preach again in 2020. And, uh, and doing a decent job at it. But like, you know, we have this narrative in our head that says it's easier for everybody else, but it's just not. What have been in the first six months since lockdown, and you guys are in California, just to underscore that. So it's not remotely open. And, you know, Aaron, you're doing this interview in your car because you've lost power because of the Santa Ana winds, but at least you're not near the fires or and don't have coronavirus. So, I mean, we are literally leading in that environment today. What have been some of the good, bad, and ugly being online in the first few months? Yeah, you know, the the weekend aspect of it is, like Brian said, we've we've been able to see people who would have never engaged with Hillside engage with Hillside. And so just to see the reach of, of the gospel, like was said earlier, I think David said that in a, a digital Easter where more people heard the gospel from church like Hillside than, than ever would on a normal weekend. That's amazing. But then also... As we've seen even some of our discipleship venues shift to online and just how you can actually connect with other people through Zoom, mm-hmm. actually do Bible study, you can actually have accountability, you, you actually can experience some of the one another's in scripture, even when you're not together. 
And, and we've seen that, you know, that's some of the good, some of the bad, some of the ugly, I think is that it's just not over yet. And so uh, zoom fatigue, I, I didn't wear glasses before this. I, I can't even hardly, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm fatigued. Our people are fatigued. And, and I think we're also just exhausted. Like when online is the only option, uh, it's exhausting when it's an option amongst other options. It seems to be something that feels like, Hey, that's a viable thing for me to choose on any given week. But when it's our only option, it just has really created some exhaustion and frustration and real longing for personal connection. Brian, how have you, what are, what are some of the successful channels for you to have a million views over the course of 2020 and not have an online presence and to be in so many States and countries is interesting. Where are you finding traction? How is this happening? What's your strategy behind that? Yeah, you know, it's an ever moving target, but yeah, the yeah. um I, I think some of the the church online resources that Life Church has put out, we're streaming that through our website on the weekends. Is that what you're using? Are you using Life's platform? So Life we're churches? live on three platforms every single weekend. And currently, up until this last weekend, we had four gatherings. Um, we would broadcast two live because if you're like uh like us, you know. The first one is like, oh my goodness, what are we going to shore up? How are we going to tighten things up? Um, and then Aaron always likes to get one more stab at the message too. So we've been seeing right. live at two of those experiences and then rebroadcasting at our back two experiences later throughout the day. But we're on Facebook live and then YouTube as well. Um, our YouTube channel, I think pre-COVID had a hundred, maybe less than a hundred people subscribe to it. And I think we're getting close to I can't remember, maybe it's 1200 people on, on YouTube. So our subscribership is massive up for where we were pre COVID. And then the church online tool has been a great resource as well um, for us. I think the other piece is really encouraging people through our hosting platforms. We have yeah. live hosts um, before and in the middle. Um, and then we will take time, time to program as well. Just encouraging people to share the broadcast um, during the experience. And we've seen a ton of uh, a ton of traction just by encouraging people to share the experience. And I, I would just encourage anybody that's not doing that, that is broadcasting out, um, that share button is so powerful. How do you do that without sounding salesy? That's interesting because I've seen people do it and it feels kind of like slick. Uh, how, do, how do you do that in a way that, that you know, you're like, yeah, that's a cool way to do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, um, there's always a story connected to a share. Right. You know, I'm constantly thinking about Kyle in Denver, who on Easter weekend, somebody shared the Good Friday experience. And because of that Good, Good Friday experience, he got a link, logged on on Good Friday, and he prayed to receive Christ. And we got to walk with Kyle all the way up until early this fall, where some of our team flew out to the Denver area to baptize him. So Kyle's constantly... Wow. Um, when I'm sharing that, I might say something like, um, you never know the power of your share. And God may just use the share today uh, that you put out there to transform somebody's life that really needs to hear it, that's connected to you. And so for me, it's less about glorifying what we're doing, and it's more about inviting people in to what God wants to do in and through them, through their share. That's awesome. Okay, we are going to get to Christmas uh, and focus on that. But I want to know, Aaron, what are you learning about preaching online, like live to a camera as opposed to, are you guys, are you, are you open for in-person gathering yet or not? Not yet. Very, not very yet. soon. Very soon. Very soon. Okay. So what have you learned now? Seven months looking at a camera. Yeah, it's, I, I think for me as an introvert, there's part of it that uh, I, I'm okay with, uh, but there's a whole other realm of it. I just am so desperate for some feedback. So I'm, 
our worship team will go sit in the audience. I'm like, well, somebody just say something. Will somebody smile or something? And so it's just so difficult to get a read on is this connecting or not? And so it's really been a, a point where I've just had to be pretty certain that I'm saying uh, what God wants me to say and that the spirit of God is going to use it to accomplish uh, what his purposes are. And in some ways being okay with it, I can't be dependent upon people's reactions to know if something is connecting or not. And I just got to do, I think a better job than ever before preparing a better job than ever before in trying to shorten the message, which is so hard for me (laughs) that, uh, 35 minutes is a lot longer in your living room than it is sitting in a worship center. And so trying to be, think there's a lot more distractions sitting on your couch with your kids or your dog or the coffee pot. And so I just have to just be able to narrow the focus. And that's been so hard for me. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I, I tend for longer. And so I've, I've worked hard at it, not done a great job at it, but just, just trying to understand God can use that medium that I wasn't comfortable with to do amazing things, even though I can't see it real time and entrusting the, the power of his word to, to God. Do. What have you trimmed your message length to approximately? Well, our goal was to get from 35, which I would actually do 38 and to get down to about 30. So on a good weekend, I'll do 32, but I hear you. Yeah. We've really felt like still the word is central to, you know, connecting people to God. And so we're not trying to go 20 minutes or something like that, but we are trying to say we've, we've got stories and video that we're sharing that we're embedding in the message to try to break it up a little bit. And so that adds a couple minutes and I can always blame the video for it if I go over. Yeah, that's right. We preachers get pretty good at just blaming everybody else, right? It wasn't the message. That didn't go long. Oh, it, was, it was the band. They just wouldn't stop. Yeah. Brian, how about, um, this is something we really haven't explored in any detail on Church Pulse Weekly, which is worship online. So most churches, I would say the trend I've seen anecdotally is to cut the number of songs to try to figure out how to do the songs. There was sort of that acoustic Zoom worship for a little while, and then it went to, you know, just having the band perform. What are you learning about um, music and worship online? Yeah. You know, I think uh, the challenge for us as worship leaders and as worship teams has been really, really, really challenging. Um, when you're in our situation, when you're used to leading a full room of hundreds and hundreds of people and you can read the response of people, especially uh, worship through music, I, I think the, the human interaction component of, of worship is, is such a missing piece in this moment. But I, I think it's been revealing, uh, honestly, Carrie, and I, for me personally, just the idea that we've got to keep it fresh as a team in order to lead thousands of people through a camera mm. and finding creative ways to invite people in, whether that's through engaging in the chats. Uh, maybe like yesterday, there's a couple points where, you know, I, I've said a small phrase and, you know, put it in the chats because obviously the presence of God was powerful in a moment um, and finding more proactive measures, like maybe a pre-written corporate par- prayer that we might pray together. Um, so rather than just a generosity talking head moment, hey, we want you to actually pray this prayer out loud with us in this moment and trying to find creative ways to engage people through that. And I also think that while we've, uh, prior pre-COVID, we were two church buildings in two physical locations. And now we've been given this opportunity to be in hundreds of houses on any given weekend. And one thing I'm reminded of is that the presence of God um, and the power of God is now entering more spaces and places through our efforts as a team 
uh, every single weekend than we could have ever imagined. So a practical hmm. learning for me is that, you know, we've got to take this maybe in a unique way more seriously uh, because the interaction with people to worship through song is going to be more challenging. And I've been at home a few weekends while we've been in COVID and it's different. Um, I don't yeah. imagine most people are standing up and lifting their hands and singing really loud while their spouse is sitting next to them going, wow, your voice is really not good. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah. I think there's a, there's a for, forgiveness part uh, of, of that piece, but I also think people want to engage. I still think people mm. want to engage in some way. And so how we lead an empty room, I really believe says a lot about the depth of our personal development with God right now too. And so one learning for me is more time with God, not less. Uh, I need that as a worship leader if I'm going to lead people through a camera. Um, but I cannot wait, Carrie, to be back in person with the people of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear you. So let's talk about Christmas. Now, are you guys part of the whatever percent that's like, hey, after Thanksgiving, we'll think about it? Or have you turned your mind there? What What are you? What are you? What are your plans for digital Christmas? Sure, we've definitely turned our mind there. Um, I would say we're we're in the percentage that that has a decent idea of what we're going to do but definitely does not have all of the details worked out. And this will be a Christmas like none other. And, and Brian and I actually even served together in Arizona before this. So we've been together serving in ministry for 12, 13 years. We have a longstanding tradition of Christmas Eve's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of services and we see lots of people show up and um, it's just not going to be that this year. So uh, we're, we're, we're sort of prepared, but we're not fully prepared, but we know that for us, it's, it's what David called the hybrid. It's the both and model for us. We'll have uh, live gatherings of some kind going on here Christmas Eve. That's our plan. Uh, but we'll also have uh, an online option and, and we're creating something really sort of unique and it'll be different than what we ever do. We, we really feel like it's a, it's an on-demand kind of opportunity, but it's not just a, watch us do a pre-recorded uh, set from the worship center. It'll be more family centric and friendly and almost TV Christmas special ish. Uh, but we feel ah. like something important for us. in this. Season. So you're going to be more intentionally intergenerational. Yeah. You know, our, I think one of our biggest thoughts is this, and, and I know the topic of evangelism came up of 77%. I wrote this down uh, saying outreach evangelism is going to be disrupted. We feel like this year we have a unique opportunity to put the sharing of the gospel as a central part of a family's Christmas experience. And so if we can do that through song and through message and have a family gather in a living room and maybe people from out of town, grandma's there, you know, that neighbors could be invited over and they could actually hear the gospel proclaimed, shared in their living room for their friends and family. And then they could even have a part of, of a follow-up discussion. That's a unique opportunity many of us have never been able to, to have. And so could we seize that opportunity this Christmas in a unique, unique way? I love your framing of that too. Yeah. And when I read that stat, I thought, what do you mean disrupted? I think you should think it's accelerated. Like this is an opportunity and it is an interesting flip. So we've been online at Connexus where I'm founding pastor for almost five years. And, but it's interesting because we have flipped the switch off on Christmas Eve. And I don't know why, like it would be an interesting team discussion so this will be our first, we'll be online only just because of the way things are here. We'll, 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 I'm sure we'll be online only, um, but it'll probably be the biggest Christmas, like by far, hands down that we've ever had. Brian, what are you thinking from a programming perspective for Christmas Eve? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, we are definitely the hybrid model. So trying to figure out how do you stack teams for this kind of unique experience that Aaron's talking about that we're going to create that's going to be on demand. Um, how do you create teams that are aiming towards Christmas Eve and our historic past? We've It's been a big whiz bang pow Christmas Eve experience. So a lot of planning, a lot of prep, a lot of, uh, lot of investment goes into the Christmas week. And I think uh, trying to figure out how do we do that um, and then do it well, live streaming online as well. So there's kind of three portals we're doing, live streaming this Christmas Eve experience um, in person it, at Christmas Eve. And then also the third piece would be the on-demand piece. And I think the part that I'm most interested in, uh, to Aaron's point, is this on-demand experience and working with our communications team to try to figure out how do we set up a landing page that literally walks our people through and kind of in some ways handholds our folks to be able to have some creative ideas about how to use the on-demand experience in their Christmas weekend. Um, so as a family, here's what you can do. Here's some creative ideas of when to use it, how to use it, how to wrap it up. Maybe you don't, maybe you're not out loud prayers at your house. Here's a prayer that you could pray. Um, but mm. this time, I think the idea of inviting people into creating a spiritual moment around Christmas in their homes with the people they love the most. I think there's probably people that have been praying for their relatives for decades. And this may be the first Christmas that they're never going to step foot in the brick and mortar, but through an on-demand experience, it could be one of the most, it could be one of the greatest evangelistic opportunities we've ever seen. Um, So that's kind of how I'm dreaming, thinking, praying Mm -hmm. towards, I'm excited about our in-person experience and what we'll do on Christmas Eve, but this on-demand thing really has me geeked out. Any thoughts, and maybe you don't know this yet, but when you will release that on demand, like would you release that prior to Christmas Eve, on Christmas Eve, after your live stream is over? Because there is almost, the reason I'm asking the question, there has almost been a scarcity mentality among many church leaders that we will show it on demand after, but if you're pre-producing it, like what, what are your thoughts around that? It's a great thought. I, I can give my thoughts, Aaron. And uh, my thought is- Oh, we're going to a creative meeting here. Okay, that's great. So <laughs> Exactly. You're helping okay. us tease this out, Carrie. But my thought is that the weekend before Christmas, which is the, the 19th, 20th, uh, that we would have that thing ready to roll. And that the, on the, the week of the 20th or the weekend of the 20th, we would launch to our people this resource and the landing page and really help people throughout that week coming into Christmas, which is on a Thursday. Christmas Eve is on a Thursday, uh, recognizing that there's a unique opportunity over Christmas week to share this experience. Because I think people are going to be uniquely gathering throughout the week of Christmas and beyond. So um, that's kind of my initial thoughts. Yeah, I think the same thing. I think the traditional Christmas experience is no longer there. People have different experiences with Christmas. And so for us to give people really, truly the both and approach, it's not either or, it's not engage with us online or engage with us in person. I I think that both and really creates uh, more opportunity. And some people will do both and giving them the freedom to do uh, an online experience on demand whenever it works best for them, not just what's best for us as a team is really about. And did you find yourself having a big live experience? Like for us, we're one of those like 11 services, four locations, kinds of church Christmas Eve. Prior to this, we had to start rolling it out like the 23rd, 24th. Like you're you're doing Christmas early anyway, because there just isn't enough time and space to do it all on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I really believe that uh, we've got to be probably more prepared this year than ever before, especially with those with those resources to get them in front of people. And I think you're just giving me a creative idea right now too, Carrie, which is oh, fun. The, the idea that 
this on-demand experience isn't, doesn't have to be an exception or a choose, uh, but even on Christmas Eve for our in-person experience and our live online, there's an on-demand experience. We want to encourage you to share this with your family over the weekend. So leveraging every resource and outlet um, through the week of Christmas um, to push towards that on-demand experience. So I'm taking that one home with me from today. I think that's really cool, you know, because there is that sort of scare. If your goal is to get people in a room, it's a different level of thinking than if your goal is to get people to access a message, the gospel or whatever. How will you get the message out? Um, is it social media, email? What is what is the best way that you are finding to inform your people and their friends about what you want to do? Yeah, great question. I, I, um, I actually was thinking about this uh, and as our Christmas planning team has been getting together over the past month, a couple of the ideas that have come up uh, in addition to those kind of standardized communication methods, um, email, social media, the weekend, all of those things. We're also talking about the Christmas season. So, you know, our, for us at, at Hillside, the Christmas season really starts after Thanksgiving. So how do we leverage post Thanksgiving up into Christmas uh, to, to do something cool. And so, you know, just a few creative ideas, just in case some people are like, man, I'm just totally stumped. I have nothing like we're doing, we're talking about things right now. Again, these aren't inked, but I'm just going to throw them out there. Um, talking about things like partnering with our local outdoor mall, which is something we do every year. We typically send a, I think it's like an 80 or hundred voice kid choir down there into the big, you know, the big quad area and they're singing, there's hundreds of people out there and they create a little bit of a presence for us. Uh, there at Christmas. But this year, we're pretty sure they're not going to let us congregate. So talking through creative ideas, like what would it be like to get a flatbed truck and just bringing musical cheer through the through the streets of our outdoor mall um, to bring some Christmas music, but then also to have some strategic invites uh, on that flatbed truck as we cruise through the mall as people are doing their shopping, not stopping to congregate, but bringing, bringing a presence as a, as a church to that area. And then the other piece would be partnering with our serve team, which is kind of our, their, our local global team. Um, and thinking through, we have historically have a night of worship. That's a Christmas experience. That's very well attended and it kind of launches and inaugurates the, the Advent season for us, but talking about both in person on, and online and uh, launching the season, continuing to do that. Um, but then also including a serve opportunity for people uh, with a toy drive and a food drive with two of our local partners in the middle of that. So bring a non-perishable food item uh, as your proverbial ticket, whether it's online or in person or make a donation if you're online to either of these organizations to be a part, but just trying to find creative ways not to give up on some of the things that have been successful for us in the past, but to sort of think about how can we re-leverage re these in creative ways. Any other thoughts as you head into Christmas, uh, Aaron, about what, how you're going to angle the message or uh, whether anything's going to be different from a content standpoint this year? You think, nope, straight Luke chapter two, here we go. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like one of the themes early on in, in this COVID crisis that we really just uh, ran with is relation, be relational, relational, relational. Mm. And I think this season where everybody feels isolated, and, and everybody feels sort of like they're they're out there on their own, pastors included, just trying to get back to some very simple uh, invitations to be with your family, to know your neighbors. And, and obviously, uh, in, in certain parts of our, our country and our world, that's more complicated than in other parts. Yeah. But I feel like the, the Christmas uh, approach this year is going to just continually try to reinforce some of those relationships. Uh, 
uh, invitations. And, and even if that's uh, connecting online or connecting through Zoom, like we've got to, we've got to, I think, um, strategically, intentionally um, make an effort to connect with people in a season we know already, even historically, Christmas is one of the most lonely times of yeah. the year. How much more so is it going to be that as we have COVID and all of these other things that are going on in our world? So we're going to have to try to really equip our people. I know you don't feel like it. Will you do it anyway? I, I know maybe you don't have the energy to connect. Will you just make the effort because it'll be worth it to connect? Mm. And on that note of connection, you hinted at it earlier, but you know, you have a million views, you're all over the place, you never thought you'd be. But there's, is it Kyle in Denver? Was that the person that's in your mind? Yeah. There's Kyle in Denver. So one of the challenges a lot of leaders are having right now is they're trying to figure out how do you find Kyle in Denver? Um, how do you even know it's Kyle in Denver? So what are your more effective ways of getting viewers to engage and then engagers to become relationship right now. Yeah. Wow. That's if we knew that question, we, yeah, I know we're all figuring it out in real time, right? Yeah. You know, even, even the story of the Kyle in Denver, it, it only happened because of a relationship with someone he has locally. And right. so I think it's equipping each and every person to be mindful of the relationships they already have and, and not thinking the church has to do the work of connecting and reaching out, but equipping each and every single believer to also do that work. I think one of the opportunities we have this year um, to even leverage Christmas is, you know, the typical thing that often we do is, well, can we get them to come back the second week of January for, for a new sermon series? But it's even, can we leverage even what we do on Christmas to try to get people in groups, to try to get people mm. connected? to try to get in that Bible study or that book study that maybe would be a thing that would hook them for a six-week series versus a one-time sermon. And, and are, there, are there ways we can leverage the moment for movement into relationships with other people? So we do feel like we have a responsibility as a church to do that, but we also feel like each person who calls Hillside home has responsibility to leverage their relationships and be intentional as well. That's a really interesting thought, Aaron, because you're right. Normally it is, hey, come back in January, but not too soon because there won't be enough people. So then come back, you know, once the kids are back in school. But something just intuitively to me says digital opportunities. Like it's not like people might be out of a building for two weeks after Christmas because of family connections and travel in a normal season, but they're not off their screens. And I wonder if, you know, often people have that time off and they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll start this group thing. That's a really interesting thought to see if there's a really quick digital connect. Any thoughts you have on follow-up or, or uh, connecting with the people that you're reaching online, Brian? Yeah, so a couple of thoughts. Um, two thoughts. One, last week that came up about our, our app. We have a mobile app that we use through Subsplash and that's probably our most underused resource and communications at Hillside right now. And we're mm -hmm. talking through our strategy moving forward with that. But I, I think last time I checked, we had over 15,000 downloads of our app, um, you know, to devices and 12,000 of those have the ability for us to push notifications out to them. So we were, we're not even doing a great job marketing it, but the idea that we could be on the front of somebody's phone every day with, 
dropping little hope grenades um, or pushing people to the opportunity to connect with us um, in, in a more strategic way is really important. And then one more other practical piece. So we're looking at the app, but another practical piece that we implemented in Kyle, I think was the first person uh, that utilized this resource, but we've been using a text response uh, thing that we introduced over Easter weekend. And so Good Friday was our first day using it. And I want to say Kyle was either the first or second person to mm-hmm. text in that he made a decision. Uh, we have a believe now, it's like believe now 94,000, right? And he texted that number and that allowed us the opportunity to then get in touch with Kyle, get him some resources, and then put one of our pastors in touch that then was able to walk with Kyle, um, even all the way to the point where they flew out and did a baptism with them. So I'd, I want to encourage church leaders, if you feel overwhelmed in this season, uh, there are resources out there that are resourcing the church right now, like Clearstream for us, that's been a huge resource that has allowed us to you know, be able to keep in touch with the Kyles in Denver. So is that the texting service, Clearstream? Yes, yes. Yeah, got it. Yeah, got it. And there's a number of them out there, sure. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. Um, But you know, this has been really encouraging. Like to think January 1, you're rolling into this year going, yeah, at some point we have to be online. And here you are, you know, Christmas is a couple months away and you're like, yeah, this is going really well, which is super exciting. You said something interesting earlier and I want to close on this note, Uh, but you're doing the sort of three-part experience Christmas Eve, live in the room, live broadcast of what's in the room, and the on-demand, which you'll release ahead of time. One of the early conversations, it's way too early for any conclusions because who knows when this thing's going to end, but is our church is going to end up producing two weekly services, an in-room experience and one designed for online. And I know we're all tired and it makes you exhausted to even think about that moving forward. Do you have any thoughts about that? I'm just, I'm curious, because it's interesting that you're moving in that direction for Christmas. I, I don't know that I have fully formed thoughts. We're we're intrigued, and yet we haven't went that way yet. Yeah. There's a couple of reasons we haven't. Um, one of them is trying to keep uh, awareness and a mindfulness of the health of our team. Mm. And if we ask our team to do much, too too much in a season where there's already so many complex factors in their lives, we don't want to hurt our team. And so that's been one specific thing. We've we've taken really the hybrid approach to say what we do on a on a Sunday morning. We want to be mindful of a live uh, and an online audience and try to train ourselves to do uh, better and be more effective. Um, but we also know that there's there's uniquenesses to those two venues that in some ways creating the unique experience for each of the opportunities has has some real pros. So we're we're just trying to slowly walk into something. We feel like it's always easier to add something than to take it away. And mm. so we really uh, thoughtful way of adding things. And we've just been in a, a season of simplify focus, simplify focus, simplify focus. So, you know, for me to think I have to be ready for, with a message by a Wednesday or Thursday to film an online uh, virtual gathering early in the week, I just feel like, whoo, that is a, a shift <laughs> I haven't been ready to make yet. <laughs> Got it. Thanks for that transparency. Brian, any uh, final thoughts on future worship? Yeah, I, I agree with Aaron. The idea feels a little daunting, although maybe this Christmas experiment for us will show us something that is really important. And so I think we're really open and 
remaining, trying to remain nimble uh, to the potential of effective ideas. And so if this idea goes well, maybe it's something we need to consider is creating a, I think I should say about that Christmas on demand experience. We are planning on making that a lot shorter um, where it's mm. bite size. For like what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Yeah, maybe somewhere in that range, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, but, you know, high impact, family oriented. Uh, so there's, there's, in, it's kind of an all skate experience for people. So it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. I, I, I do think we've got to just stay open though. And that's one of the pieces that's really hard right now is just keeping our hands open. God, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And will I be faithful and obedient to step in that, to believe that he's going to bless whatever it is that we put our hands to. I would say that's one thing that I've really drawn from the two of you that's so refreshing is just an openness, not like uh, how come it is this way or when is it going to go back to normal, but just like, okay, we don't have control over this. Let's be open. Let's try to figure some stuff out and look at what God's doing. It's a, it's a really hopeful interview. So Aaron, you also stepped in at the last minute. So I really appreciate you coming in. Things are crazy right now. One of our guests had a personal situation, but a real thrill to have you on. Aaron McRae, Brian Worsell from Hillside Church in Rancho Cucamonga. Thank you so much for watching us today. And those of you who are listening on Church Pulse Weekly, on behalf of David Kinneman, uh, it's Carrie Newhoff here. Just want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you want more about the future of the church, particularly the digital church, head on over to churchpulseweekly.com uh, where you can find some resources, or you can just go direct to barna.com forward slash digital church. And there's a whole study, all kinds of statistics, which I find endlessly interesting, and some real clues about what the future is going to look like. So you can find that at barna.com forward slash digital church. Thanks so much. We'll be back next time with a fresh episode. And uh, thanks for joining us today on Church Pulse Weekly. Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.